Blog Talk Radio. I guess things would be better if I unmute my microphone. <laughs> good evening, good afternoon, and good morning, depending on what part of the world you are listening. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You are listening to the Greenhouse Effect Radio Show here on Blog Talk Radio. It is Thursday. What is today, the ninth? Today? The 10th, excuse me. Yesterday was the 9th, right. No, today's the 10th. I'm all messed up, ladies and gentlemen. And I'll tell you, this is uh, quite a day already for me. <laughs> so, hey, how's it going, everybody? Good evening. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, this is officially the eighth episode of The Greenhouse Effect, though it has been a little bit more than eight weeks, huh? I missed you all last week. Um, I had to take some of my own advice, you know. Uh, The previous shows were getting kind of good. And uh, (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I need to be uh, doing some of the things I'm telling you guys to be doing. So I had an opportunity just to find a little balance, you know, get away from the hustle and bustle of the city, you know, quiet the mind, if you will. As me and my dad, Bill Green, talk about too many mind. If you ever see the Last Samurai with uh, with uh, Tom Cruise, I was trying to think of something witty to say. Uh, too many mind, too many mind. Needed to clear the mind out. Um want to give a shout out again to my dad for his show uh, holding it down last week on the, on the Wednesday show uh, running it solo um, we talked a little bit about it last night but I wanted to uh, just give that give that little shout out uh, good job you know I'm very proud of what you're doing what you've been doing um, you know it's amazing how we're able to uh, learn off of each other. And I know he'll chime in in a minute. But uh, it's quite an amazing journey, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, if you had a, have not had a chance to tune in on Wednesdays, it's definitely a treat. But 
we might be changing some things around again. And some people are like, doggone it. I'm just getting these days straight. You said you was on Mondays. No, not really. <laughs> so is it Wednesday or Thursday? Both. Um, but Dad and I have been uh, talking about some things. and So, you know, we just want to make sure, you know, we, uh, we, we do what we need to do to reach as many people as possible. Let's just say that. Uh, so, yeah, missed you all last week. And uh, here we are again, episode eight. Um, it's always something happening, right? This, 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 is, this, this uh, time is quite, quite a development. So this episode I titled tonight, I didn't give any African deity, any comedic names. Um, I'm going to pass on that on this week's episode. Um, I still want to devote episodes to giving knowledge about uh, comedic deities, understanding where a lot of knowledge that was stolen, uh, where it came from. Uh, I think it's very important for us to remember um, some of those things that we've forgotten about our past, uh, especially now in today's crazy time. So, There will be more of that to come, but I still implore you all to grab pen, paper, pencil, and pad, crayons, and a scratchy note or whatever uh, in case you do have any questions, any comments you may, you know, want to write down. Uh, Of course, this show is a talk show, so you do have the option of calling in to area code 516-453-6094. That was pretty smooth. I like how I did that. Area code 516-453-6094. But sometimes I might get a little long with it, and I don't want you to forget any questions or comments or anything you might pick up. You know what I'm saying? So uh, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Uh, So, yeah, grab grab something, you know, questions, comments, so you don't forget. And you can share it with the rest of us. Show us the power of your effect. Ah, yeah. <laughs> so this week I'm doing something different, guys. Um, going to try this open mic kind of thing. Um, and it's all work in progress. Uh, I still want to talk about issues that are, excuse me, issues and topics that are happening today, right? We're still going to talk about problems, talk about solutions, trying to find ways to find balance, uh, helping to promote spiritual health, mental health, physical health, um, you know, so we can keep going and fighting the good fight, right? Um, What I also wanted to do was give this opportunity for people to call in um, and just openly discuss what's on their mind. I know this will probably take some time as most people are just used to hearing me and just call it. They, they listen because they want to hear what I got to say. And I appreciate that. But sometimes I want to hear what you got to say, because I think it's important to share this information with one another. Um, you might have tips on you, remote learning. You know, we're going to talk about that. Um, Tiana, my son's uh, mom, um, she and I have worked out scheduling. Uh, well, she, she worked it out, but, you know, we put some, some ideas and thoughts together, but 
you know, she's got block schedule for, for our son. So when he does remote learning, um, cause you know, a lot of times can get away from parents and students, you know, all the ordeals that you all are experiencing now as you're at home trying to provide the best support possible for remote learning. So you may have uh, things that you've already worked on. Um, you know, uh, we've talked about some of the problems in our communities, especially here in Chicago. You know, my, I tell you, you know, my um, transparent moment here, I woke up just feeling really heavy. You know, my, my chest, my, my heart was really heavy today. It was nothing. I don't think anything really personal. I mean, the only personal thing I'm dealing with right now is um, letting go of some things. And maybe we'll get into that today. Um, you know, I've had to make some personal changes through this COVID situation. And there's some things I've had to let go, relationships, friendships, you know, and it's not easy. You know, and I, these last few weeks, so we've, you know, we've talked about using the power of words and balancing your your boat in the middle of a storm. You know, all these <laughs> uh, examples and parables and 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 comedic teachings and ideologies. You know, um, but yeah, it's hard. It's hard for all of us. Um, and you know, through it all, I still hope that we find the better of ourselves and we always support each other. So. Uh, but I woke up in and, and it's a little heavy for me today. Um, you know, um, focus, focus is good, but just, just as far as like preparing for tonight, it just felt different, you know, and I didn't want to, uh, I, I felt the need to share that with you all. Um, I was just doing a little research before the top of the hour here. And um, I'm on the net, and I realized that we're in another retrograde. Uh, apparently, we're in a new one, uh, a Mars retrograde. Um, I don't know, Dad, if you're familiar with what Mars retrograde is, you can let us know, or I can try to pull it up real quick. But I, from what I understand so far, things are just moving um a little slower, I guess. Um, it's a slower pace of things, and things may seem a little bit more frustrating. Um, but maybe I'll have a moment to to dwell deeper in this as we go on to tonight's show. But I'm not going to get into that now. But um, I just wanted to let go for a minute. You know, I'm talking about letting go and starting out the show with just opening up and asking, how are you all doing? How are you all feeling? Um, so, again, you know, I woke up kind of funny. Um, again, things felt a little heavy, but I'm still in good spirits, you know. Like I said, it's been a good week for me. Um, to, like I said, get away for a minute. That was great. Get some balance. Clear my mind. Um, I had a chance to go see Tenet. So, um you know, all this COVID stuff, man, and they opened up a few movie theaters. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to take too many chances, you know, on, on on being around a lot of people, you know. So you know, me and a friend of mine, we went to go take a chance, and it was like four of the people in the, in the theater, you know. So 
like, man, let's, you know, let's take a moment to just appreciate the opportunity now, you know, and, and to see uh, John David Washington was cool. Um, his last name is Washington, as he is related to Denzel. Uh, I can't remember his mom's name. They were like, don't call him Denzel's son. Uh, I can't remember the mom's name right now. So they'd be like, yeah, call him, uh, you know, the mom's son. <laughs> but yeah, that's Denzel's son. So if you guys ever seen Black Klansman, uh, if you ever watched Ballers on HBO with uh, The Rock, uh, that's that's the same guy, John David Washington. Um, it's funny uh, listening to him because he sounds just like Denzel, but I really like that dude, you know, so um, that was a good time, you know, fun moment, a little something fun to do as well. So I hope you all are finding fun things to do also, but uh, staying safe and being smart out here in the midst of the coronavirus. Is it a, is it a, I, did I read correctly? They said it was an outbreak. I don't know. But it's, anyway, so, you know, that's what's been up with me um, these last couple weeks. Like I said, yesterday, well, you know, last week to this week, uh, and then yesterday we we did the show um, Dysfunctional by Design. And uh, here we are. So yesterday's show, there was some discussion about uh, Stockholm Syndrome. And I devoted a little time to look up some of that. I wanted to keep that conversation going. And like I said, just kind of have an open, not really an open forum, because uh, there's still some structure to this. You know, I don't want to get too much off topic, but these topics can be included. Um, Systematic or uh, institutional racism. Uh, (laughs) I mean, this this same thing. I mean, who, you know, like that said, who decided that it was systematic? It was institutional. And if you pull up systematic, institutional comes up. And it's like, you know, why you got another label? So uh, we were talking about Stockholm Syndrome. Um, systematic racism. Uh, as you all know, again, I always implore others to share what they're doing about remote learning. What are you? What changes are you making? How are you adapting? How is your home doing? And uh, also this morning, also this morning, I had to complete some homework. So I put myself under the light. Well, I put myself under the the tutelage of one of my family members who's a, a college professor, and I'm not sure if that was a good idea now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> but but I, I want to uh, get some more knowledge about, you know, uh, the uh, you don't know. I want to get some insight about stock market and, and investments, you know, other ways to make my money work for me and stuff like that. So I, I know that a lot of us are well, a few of us, maybe even listening right now, are even either involved or thinking about getting into SUSU, right? Or or maybe you know somebody or if you've looked at Forex training. I know especially in our community, in the black community, that's the big thing right now. The SUSU, that's the hot, the hot, hot. Let me get that 100 for four. Let me get that four for four. The five for four thousand, something like that. You know, and it's a it's an excellent idea, but um, I know that those things are going on. But I really want to look at um, 
something that's been bringing a lot of white families wealth and the ways that they have been smart with their money, um, looking at the gap that exists in black homes and everyone else. I think on this label on the show, I said, yeah, black wealth versus everyone. You know, it's not just white wealth. I mean, you might as well say black and brown or black and Hispanic Latino homes versus everyone else. Because we're all about the same. You know, if, if you want to go with the black and brown colors, um, but everybody else is, is killing the game right now as far as wealth is concerned. And we're still lagging in the rear, but yet we want to, we, we, you know, we, we have some demands. And yes, that things aren't set up as clear for us as it is for them. But Again, I think the Susus and Forex and all that other stuff that other people are doing, I think, you know, if you study it, you know, it could be a good thing. But everything is not for everybody, you know. And the question is, once you get that fast, quick money, I mean, are you using that for the future or are you using that for right now? You know, I'm going on 50. You know, I need to make sure that there's something that's going to be for my son when I'm not around, you know? Um, And I don't know, some of these things that are out here just don't always seem like they're promising that it's long-term, you know? So just be mindful um, and see what's out there. So I'm, I'm spending the morning working on this homework and I have to take care of some other internet stuff. Um, which just took all morning. But I was saying all that just to say that I took the time to look at starting to research uh, investing and trading and things like that. So the more information I start to, to, to study and learn, of course I'm going to share it with everybody. But I'm sure some of you out there have some, have some knowledge as well uh, that you might be willing to share. Uh, I, I think Adam's in the queue. I'm sure Adam's got some some insight as well, you know, so, you know, these are the things I want us to be doing as well on the show, you know, um, giving knowledge to each other and uh, sharing insight with each other. So, for example, we talk about remote learning, right? And I've mentioned many times about, for us as adults and even helping our students, helping our, our children in remote learning, we talked a lot about developing a schedule, uh, uh, Google on the Google Drive on on the Google program. Uh, you have Google Calendar. Um, if you have Outlook, uh, Outlook has a calendar. I'm not sure if Yahoo has a calendar. I haven't checked them out yet. But you can even utilize a calendar on your phone or on your laptop, right, um, or your desktop, and start developing. Uh, a schedule if you haven't already uh, and, and start with something simple, you know, and again, identify uh, the habits, identify the same things that occur every day, and then you can start filling in the blanks um, again, because sometimes there's a lot of uh, holes in the time. You don't want kids to be on the computer forever too, you know, but I'll get to that in a second, but just start working on the schedule. 
Uh, number two, make sure that that your child, that your student has uh, a good learning space. You know, it should be somewhat quiet as best as possible and, and comfortable and clutter-free. I'm going to say that again, clutter-free. I cannot keep a desk <laughs> clutter-free. <laughs> Sometimes it amazes me. You give me a brand new desk and all of a sudden, poof, it's like you see the smoke. Poof. <laughs> it's just cluttered. You know, uh, uh, charging cords over here, post-it notes over there, uh, <laughs> you know, all kinds of stuff, pens and papers and headphones, uh, books here, books there, notebook, you know, it's crazy stuff. So, Help them to keep it clutter-free because uh, it's so easy. And I think we all know it's very easy to clutter a desk. You know, our minds are so powerful. It's just like the stuff just spills out of our brain sometimes. It just lands on the desk and it just sits there. Uh, so help them out with that. Uh, the third thing uh, you should also work on is um, have a, uh, a plan, a daily plan and check-ins. I think the best time that you check in with your child is, is in the morning. You know, and just make sure that the plan is set and that they know what they're going to be doing, that it's not a question, oh, you wanted me to do? No. So if you're leaving, let's, you know, they're at home or whatever, you know, there's no question. They should know what they should be doing, what they should be doing. As my dad used to say, I just want to hear myself say it so I know I said it. And sometimes you've got to do that. Make sure there's no miscommunication. Um, of course, I hope that you all have good Wi-Fi. Um, you know, I know it's a struggle and I'm going to throw this little piece in there, develop some ideas, some options when the internet is down because the internet will be down. The Zooms or the Google uh, classrooms, you know what I'm saying? Wi-Fi, Xfinity, AT&T, a bad storm, a drug driver, the Wi-Fi is going to be down. You know what I'm saying? So make sure you've got some other plans, some other options as well. Um, when that happens, or unless it's just a free day too, and that I'm sure they're cool with that too. That can be a, 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 a mental day, as we used to call it when I used to work in the school system. I had to take a mental mental day, mental health day. You know, I just can't come in today. So it could be a mental health day because kids need it too. Um, and, and you know, and because of that, you know, encourage them to take breaks because we don't want we don't want our children on their computers for a long period of time. We've been complaining about them playing video games and stuff like that and not getting outside. And now they've got all their reason to stay on their devices and not go outside. So figure out ways to give them physical breaks or breaks from the computers and stuff like that. Um, and if you've got other um, things that you're doing in your home, uh, please let us know. You know, the chat room is open also. If you're listening online, you can Throw some stuff in the chat room. Um, of course, you can always hit us up on social media um, and things like that. But feel free to call in as well and let us know. We'd like to hear from you. So I know uh, one call is in the queue and you press one. So I'm just going to bring you in for a second. Yeah, we're about 20 past the hour. Yeah, that's perfect. Just want to bring you in for a minute since you press one. Um, you're showing the power of your effect. <laughs> How's it going this evening? 
Oh, am I on? Yes, you're on. <laughs> I wanted to see how long you were going to hold it this time. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought you were. Um, I thought you were bringing Adam in. That's why I was um, hesitating. Uh, what's up, Wilfredo? What's oh, he didn't press on, one man? yet. Yeah, what's what's going on? Uh, right. Nothing much. Nothing much. It's still too early to tell. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It. It. I'm. Um, I'm not really. You know, I, I'm not really up on um, remote, you know, methods of education um, up beyond what you and your 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 younger brother talk about. So I don't have too much, you know, to contribute in that regard other than, you know, it's a changing of the time. But the mm-hmm. issues still stay the same. You know, I don't care what they call it. It's still, you know, what are we really teaching our young? especially our, our black youths, you know, regardless of the methods used, they're still going to always be my pecking point, you know. Um, and not just even the process of teaching and learning, but the ongoing process of the devices used and the potential mm-hmm. level. Yes. What they, can, what they can produce, what they're meant to produce, regardless of how they're used. You know, I think sometimes if one is talked about, it will help shed light on the other. But um, instead of just a, um, in a, a point of embarrassment, you know, mm-hmm. let me just embarrass you for using this just to, you know, um, peruse other things or whatever. You know, I, I don't know. You know, it, it, the computer is an amazing device, and I'm not sure that, that gets the attention it deserves. Just, you know, not going to computer you know, repair school, anything like that. Just a, you know, just a, a curriculum that includes, you know, the power of the computer. You know, man, I mean, my, well, but I'm talking about that from a perspective of, you know, computers weren't even around when I was in high school, you know, um, well, they were, but they were the size of a room. Right. <laughs> you know, so, you know, so it was a totally different idea back then. You know, it was the idea that they said one day, you know, in 63, I still remember it was uh, um, talked about um, that one day there'll be a computer that will be able to fit on your desk. And everybody went, gasp. <laughs> where we are today totally removed from that but you know the thing i really wanted to talk about was something that you mentioned but you didn't give well you know it's not a criticism it was just my hunger you didn't you know give the inside scoop on on the story you gave about you know too many mine you know i mean like that's you know like you said it was in the movie um last samurai but you didn't you know tell about you know, what the whole issue was about. And I think that's really what you were saying or what you wanted to use the example for. But if you had, and again, I wanted to hear the details of the story to explain too many minds, you know, because, Mm -hmm. and I'm saying that for selfish reasons, because you remember you broke it down to me. And I had to go back and watch the movie again so I could really, get the full, you know, the full blow of it. But, you know, like, um, I don't know if you want to shed light on that whole story or not, or or if I would be taking you off stride by asking you to. But I no. think it's a wonderful par- parallel of distraction 
you know. Um, anyway, you know. That's, no, yeah, I, I, I can, I can. Did you want me to get into that now or? Um, yo, yo. Yeah. <laughs> well, before, before I do, and before I forget. Right. Um, so, you you mentioned remote I, learning. You you mentioned uh, you brought up remote learning, and actually, you I'm curious because you. You were you you were an entrepreneur and you worked at home, right? You was working mm-hmm. a lot of out, out the crib and things like that. And I remember, right. you know, remember when I was down in Dallas for a while, staying with y'all for a couple of months, and you were helping me kind of learn how to develop a habit. You know, when, even though I wasn't working and I was looking for jobs, you know, I still had to. Right. You know, like for example, I needed to be up at a certain time. You know, like yeah. I was working. Yeah. You know. Right. So, just from yeah. that point of view, you know, what what would you suggest, you know, just like some just some real basic typical daily habits that people can start doing? Well, it depends on the circumstance. Like if you already are getting up and going to work, you already, you know, your you, your day is relatively structured. Now, different people approach the morning in different ways, but you know, taking a look at those who are entrepreneurs and wanting to um, self-promote or be sole proprietor of a business or something, um, or having something that maybe this is what you're, what you, what you're um, suggesting. You know, if some, regardless of what someone is doing, if someone has the idea of wanting to do something else and, and developing whatever the requirement would be around how that needs to be structured. You know, if you're working out at the home, you treat it like, you know, like you're getting up and going to work. You know, so however you remember getting up and going to work, that's how you treat it. You know, you get up, take a shower, you you know, you know, you you know, like um, fix you something to eat or whatever, and then you know, have the day structured as to what you're going to be doing and, and how much time you're going to spend on a particular thing. Like if it's a curriculum, you know, um, that's that requires its own um, um, discipline as far as a, a clear understanding of research, a clear understanding of the topic, you know, and a clear understanding of your audience. And I think this is the thing that's, that most of us miss, the importance of audience, Um we just, sometimes we assume that, like if it's a paid event, that somebody's showing up, that's indicative of them being invested in the product and therefore have no other input. But, you know, a lot of times people come to an event or like what we do, you know, they might tune in out of curiosity. And the curiosity is the only shot you got to keep them interested. So it's a matter of knowing what the – demographics or the makeup of your audience is and if it's you know and and of course that's a matter of registration and and also you know um sometimes it's 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 necessary to be a little tactile you know reaching out to folks and especially if there's a new crowd a new audience a, a new venture and a new product you know it's like getting that you know not just using the stage as the marketing but you know having to develop those interpersonal skills and some of us are lacking interpersonal skills i mean you know um i don't know it 
And yes. you know, like and, and and it's just the assumption that just showing up and, and, and especially if someone's paid for what you're offering, then there's you know, then that's that. Then they paid for it, so you just serve up whatever you have to offer. But that's a cold approach. And usually that audience you're only gonna see once. <laughs> you know, and you know, and, and, and the majority, you know, won't be back if there's no no sense of um of of connection. So it's a it's a hard thing to just venture out into I mean, how many times have we seen it? How many times have you seen it? How many times have we seen um a barbecue, let's say a barbecue pit open up in the hood, you know, mm-hmm. and in six months it's closed. Yeah. Yeah. But driving past it for six months, you never see anybody in there. And the question is what was their marketing plan in, 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 in opening up this barbecue pit in the hood? You know, what, what, how did they approach it? Did they think it was just food and, and people would just flock to the door because it was there? Did they know what was there before? Did they know anything about the, you know, the, the, the eating habits of, the, of, of, of that particular neighborhood? Did, did they have people skills? Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's so much more to, you know, being a, I think this is why so many, you know, cell phone black businesses struggle, you know, because you don't have employees, you don't have a mom to go with your papa, you don't have a pop to go with your mom. So you're operating in a one dimensional arena, you know, and so there's no, you know, there's no feedback, you know, there's no brainstorming. It's, it's, limited to, 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 to my own imagination. And, and, you know, that's, that's almost a death sentence in itself, man. You know, so I think the first thing a person needs to do is have a think tank. And that's work. That means getting people involved for free to help you develop something. <laughs> that means taking out, you know, their time from their day doing what they're doing you know, um, to help you with whatever your product is that you're wanting to develop. You know, but that's the first thing, having that, that, that kind of think tank group, you know, and it's a matter of having, it's not just Fred because I've known Fred all my life. You know, Fred may be an idiot. So just because you know him all your life, he may have absolutely nothing to offer. Or, or, or Ginger, you know, let me, you know, bring Ginger in because, you know, she used to be a squeeze of mine. Well, okay, now you got another problem going on. <laughs> There's a reason why Ginger ain't just squeeze anymore. You know, so sometimes it's a matter of understanding what I want and who are the best people who can give me insight on how to develop it. Not just because I know somebody, then that I'll just make them fit. No, man. You know, so it's that inner struggle of 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 translating, you know, a single thought, uh, a single approach into a, a, a multi-dimensional product and recognizing my intent is to be massively successful and not just to be able to do something to pay my bills or, or ego tripping about it's got my name on the outside banner. You know, it, you know, a lot of us, I believe black folk, I think we, we have more of a fear of success than we do a fear of failure. You know, and um, and rightfully so. You know, we don't have a whole lot of success models out here. So we don't really have anything to go by. So we approach it already assuming that 
I'm, I got, I'm, I'm, I'm working against the odds. You know, chances are, um, if people don't like me, they're not going to buy what I have to offer. You know, it, it, it's, that's not a business approach. You know, that's a, that's a, that's an ego trip. You know, it's a matter. I I remember when I was writing my first book, and I know I'm I'm going on and on, but let me just finish this one story, and I'll shut up and take a nap. You know, um, (laughs) I was writing this book, and it it was someone who I really, you know, uh, admired, and I really held her in high esteem because of her writing skills. And um, I was only writing the book because I had written her a letter um, about, some of the concerns and issues I had about, you know, entering into a, a, a dynamic of meditation that she taught. And uh, she edited my letter and sent it back that it was the beginning of a book. So, you know, I thought, well, 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 okay, deep. You know, so I took what she edited and I used that as the foundation of, of developing this idea, which, you know, dysfunctional by design was born from. But the point is, as I was, um, putting together my thoughts and, 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 and formulating the book, half of it was typed and half of it was, um, you know, written in, in, in longhand. Um, and I was thinking, well, you know, she knows me. I know her. She won't. She'll just she'll understand. I was just trying to hurry up and get something on paper because there was a workshop coming up that she was running, and I wanted to um, – I wanted to be able to present something to her and get her feedback. So anyway, now she's doing a workshop, you know, so she already has a responsibility to our audience, but I'm thinking, well, you know, but she knows me. So she's going to, you know, take time out from whatever her schedule is and however she's structured her uh, workshop to read and give me feedback on these 20 pages of this book I wrote. So I shoved it in her face and said, Hey, let me know what you think, you know? And after a couple of days, I didn't get any feedback, so I kind of cornered her and I said, "Hey, you know, uh, what's up? What, the, what do you think? What do you, you know? What do you think about what I gave you?" She looked at me and said, "Some of it's good, but some of it's shit." Mm. And I thought, "Damn, that was kind of cold." <laughs> so yeah. you know, right away, I, you know, so I took you know, I took my little manuscript from her, my little twenty pages, and I you know stomped up to my room, you know, my feelings hurt. Sat up there for a while, you know how it is. Sat there and got it, you know, got the fire stoking, got really cranked up and angry, you know. Stormed yeah. out of my room, stormed downstairs, and shook the manuscript in her face and said, "What do you mean this is shit? This, this came from the heart." This and after I settled down, she said, "Well, Bill, look, let me tell you one thing. In order to be a successful writer, you're going to have to develop a healthy ego." And I thought, "Damn." You know, so what she was saying was, if I'm not able to hear constructive criticism, you know, I'll never be able to understand feedback. You know, um, that changed my attitude about everything I did from that point on. I recognized, you know, that I had to purify my motives first, meaning I had to be real clear about what I was about doing. You know, it's pratfalls, it's limitations, it's possibilities, whatever. So I had to purify my mind. Why do I even want to do it? You know, and, and forget that toe Joe, that Joe Toen is saying, oh, you know, I just want to just want to just do something. <laughs> no, you know, like, I want to be recognized. Is that how y'all, y'all still say it? Well, I want to be recognized. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> you know, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to make millions. I want to, yeah, I want to be able to. To, to pay off the debt of all my family members, whatever, you know, just really, you know, like having that kind of 
lofty goal in mind. You know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> you know, and, um, and, 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 and hone the craft. Don't just think that because it's what I want to do, I know how to do it. Hone the craft. When I was writing the book, there was no internet. So everything mm-hmm. was really done through snail mail. So I had to research, like, buy, you know, getting a book off of the, of the shelf of a bookstore and, 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 and perusing all of the publishers and what they did publish and what they didn't, how I needed to formulate a letter to write to them, you know, a letter, an introductory letter, you know, and, and, and what it was intended to cover, whatever the outline needed to be, blah, 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 blah. But I had to, you know, find a book, first of all, that listed publishers, not knowing anything. But then, you know, reading that, you know, it had to be double spaced and, you know, it had to be um, on typing paper. So I either need to have a typewriter or a computer. Well, I didn't know how to work a computer, you know. And I sure didn't know, you know, if you don't know how to work a computer, you don't know anything about a copier. You know, but these things came to me. I found an old 386 computer at at, at um, Office Max and on the use on the use machine table. You know, and, and then my wife at the time, Tammy, you know, uh, somebody gave her an old inkjet inkjet printer, and it turned out to be one was compatible to the other. You know, so I started putting these things together, and with my typing skills, I learned in the army. You know, the computer is very similar to the teletype machine. You know, I started entering into a world I knew nothing about just a a few months before. But when she said, you got to develop a healthy ego, that let me know that it took more to do what I wanted to do because I was a good person, you know, because, I, you know, I believed in God. You know, it was like, no, you know, it's going to take a little bit more effort there, bro. You're going to have to you know, learn how to write and not assume because there are people who get paid to edit that you're just going to do all the work for you. You know, so, you know, and I don't think there's anything more important than than um, honing one's craft, understanding what it's all about. So I don't even know if honing I came anywhere near answering your question. Well, right? I, I think it was, you know? I think it just had to do with, you know, we, we got honing the craft, uh, um, and I didn't want to cut you off because I was so compelled by the story. So, <laughs> but yeah, you know, even yeah. what you were talking about with devices and understanding, uh, you know, the potential that you have, and I guess that can yeah. be true to even for us, you know, and and honing our craft, taking this opportunity to really uh, be honest with ourselves and dig deep or so. Hmm. Yeah, and I, you know, like um, whatever it is, I don't know, you know, give me an example of something. Whatever it is that a person wants to do, chances are there's something else similar to it already out there, unless you're an inventor, you know. And you know, in, inventors are the uh, original product, the original deal, you know. Um, so, like, yeah, if you're if you're an inventor, you know, then it takes on its own course of action. But even if you're an inventor, there are other you know, stories of inventors, and it's a matter of just charting their stories. It's a matter of learning from others, to, you know, not wanting to step in somebody else's footprints, but researching the footprints that I'm about to step into. You know, um, everybody has a, a story behind the story of success, whatever that success is. Finding a job is success. Everybody has a story behind uh, 
finding a, a, a compatible mate, you know, having your first child. Everybody has a success story, you know, but it's the story behind that story. That's where the lessons are, and that's where the ego um, gets strengthened because it's a highly competitive world today. You know, and if I, come, if I step out into this world with a weak ego, I don't stand a chance. You know, I don't stand a chance. There are those who will just eat me up and spit me out, you know, because their egos thrive on my weak ego. You know, mm-hmm. So anyway, man, yeah. you know, it's, you know, it, uh, even what you outlined for tonight's show, you know, um, there's a lot of topics there, you know, and, and sometimes what's required if someone wants to make a comment is to just, zero in on one topic and say, you know, yeah. I know something about this. Let me yeah. talk and not be distracted by all the others thinking I need to know a little bit of something about all of them. Yeah. You know, just, just, yeah. you know, just yeah. focus on that one and bring it, you know? And that's um, a, but anyway, man, I'm, a, I'm just going a, on and on. No, you know? you're, you're good. That's, that's actually, that brings us uh, to our break. Uh, so we're just going to take a, a small little break here and dad, I appreciate, you know, appreciate, you know, your insight on that. And, you know, you said you didn't have much to, to say about remote learning, but you're just dropping all kinds of stuff for us. <laughs> I'm glad we put Well, you that know, on. man, why use a hundred words when a thousand words would do, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, right, I know you'll be, man. I know right. you'll be sticking around. So I know you'll be. Here. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, I'll be hanging yeah. around waiting for another opportunity to grab the mic. All right, I'll try to I'll try to give you a heads up before I bring you back in. Absolutely, I'll give you a heads up before I bring you in. All right, all right. So yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we'll just take a small break here. Give me about a well, give me about a minute and twenty nine seconds. We'll be right back. This is the Greenhouse Effect Radio Show. All right. Welcome back. So earlier, um, I was in my in my ramble earlier in my intro, uh, the warm up, whatever you want to call it, before uh, before my dad Bill Green jumped in. Um, he, uh, well, I made reference to uh, too many minds. Uh, 
talking about, uh, you know, what, how my talking about how my last week or so has been. I had a chance to kind of follow my own advice and try to find some balance and get out of the city for a few days. So I mentioned uh, the the term or the quote, too many minds. So too many minds are mentioned is from um, movie, the last samurai with uh, Tom Cruise. And some of you that know me know how much I'm, I'm drawn to uh, the Eastern culture of, of the samurais and, um, and all those and all that sort of stuff. So anyway, <laughs> this is kind of weird now. I was cool with it, but I want to share you all. I know he was one, and I want to share it with you all too. You know, and so too many mind is is basically about um, like mental control, if you will, uh, kind of trying to maintain a mental state that's 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 distraction free. And one of the things that I'm personally been working on. Since actually since COVID started, um, is is being more in the moment, and I've found that uh, I'm sorry. Give me five seconds here. Sorry about that. Um, and I've found that since COVID started, um, I've been struggling with kind of trying to be in the moment. Um, and so this quote is about being in the moment, you know, finding focus. Um, so in the story, uh, Tom Cruise is this, this, uh, this he, he got caught captive. I know you all saying it. He got, well, anyway, uh, he got caught by the samurai. And so he's like hanging out with the samurai, right? He's learning their ways and things like that. So he's like sparring with, with, with one of the guys and he's getting his butt kicked, right? Dude is just serving him. <laughs> but he's been, you know, understanding and he's a smart dude, you know, he's he's a, a, a very good warrior, a very good strategic strategic uh, leader. You know, so he understands and appreciates uh the society and the culture, the lifestyle of the samurai, uh the same way he did with Native Americans when he was around them. So he's getting his butt kicked though, right? <laughs> he's trying to, you know, and he's sparring with this dude. So one of the allies that he made while being held captive uh, comes to him. He can see that Tom Cruise is frustrated. So he comes to Tom Cruise and he's like, yeah, man, you know, too many minds. So Tom Cruise is like, what? Too many minds? And dude's like, yeah, mind the sword. Mind the people watching. Mind the enemy. Too many minds. No mind. You know, you're thinking about how he's holding the sword. He's, you're thinking about the people around you and how that's affecting you. You're thinking about the person that's in front of you, the adversary. And then you got your own mind to deal with on top of that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like no mind. Just wipe your mind. You know, so then in the movie, he focused. He found his balance. Uh, and, and instead of getting, uh, getting put on his butt again, uh, what happened is that the duel came to a draw. So he learned. Um, that was the whole too many mind. And sometimes I, I, I find that there is a lot of, lot of mind that goes on with me and my thinking, my ways of overthinking, the ways I used to talk myself out of things. Um, 
you know, reflecting and looking at those things. It's amazing. Um, but I'm grateful that um, I'm seeing it and acknowledging and working on trying to fix it. But yeah, too many minds. There's another movie real quick too, uh, 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 For the Love of the Game, uh, where uh, Kevin Costner, I think we talked about this before. Kevin Costner uh, is a pitcher and he's got this thing where he says, clear the mechanism. And if you all been to live sports events, you know, it can be really noisy, right? So he's like, clear the mechanism, and you can hear the crowd. Ah, you're a bum. Ah, 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 screw you. Ah. And he clears the mechanism, and he doesn't hear anything. And all he does is just focus on his next target, you know. So that is no mind. Uh, so I was able to clear the mechanism and uh, get some of that too many mind out of my head. So I hope that 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 uh, clears up the story and. That I hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed it. And if I may, then, uh, since we're we're talking about too many minds and stuff like that, so um, no mind is a mind that is pure and lacks complication. And this is from a book, uh, the Book of the Samurai. Since we're talking about Asian culture, um, again, there's this priest. Uh, so people. Come to know, people come to no understanding because priests teach only the doctrine of no mind. And he said, What is called no mind is a mind that is pure and lacks complication. No thoughts, no mind. Um, so um, I, can, I can just be sharing samurai quotes with y'all for the rest of the night. <laughs> the poetry of war. Anybody ever see Ghost Dog before? That's my movie. Uh, Ghost Dog, yeah, check that out Okay, I got one more for you real quick And we'll get back to the show uh, I want to share this This is one of my favorite quotes here Okay uh, There is something to be learned from a rainstorm When meeting with a sudden, sudden shower You try not to get wet And run quickly along the road But doing such things Such as passing under the eaves of houses You still get wet when you are resolved from the beginning, you will not be perplexed. Though you will still get the same soaking, this understanding extends to everything. So, yeah. share the samurai quote. That's cool. That's the first time I ever did that. <laughs> that was all right. Thank you, Dad, for having me talk about that. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so earlier I was talking about this whole retro, Mars retrograde. Maybe uh, you can give a little insight on that as well. Um, but I'm wondering, like, this morning I was sharing, oh, the whole too many mind, I was sharing, you know, how I just woke up feeling really heavy. I don't know how you all are doing today. Uh, this whole Mars retrograde thing started yesterday. Now, I'm not into a lot of astrology. You know, I like to read my horoscopes and stuff like that, and I read things here and there. I take a little bit, but I, it's not like I'm I'm devoted to the things that they say, you know. But there's some some a lot of good insight in some of these things, at least as far as behaviors, things like that are concerned. So apparently, this Mars retrograde started September 9th yesterday, and it's supposed to go as long as November 13th. Yee, okay. Let me see. This is a, a tough one too, right? Um. 
so I'm not going to get into the whole astrology thing. Uh, I'm not even going to make it sound like uh, um, make it sound like that. I'm sorry, I kind of lost my place. But as I mentioned earlier, earlier um, things are just um, during this time, people may tend to feel a little bit more sluggish, uh, a little bit unmotivated, uh, and might struggle to uh, take uh, action, immediate action on, on a lot of things. Um, they say that it's not an ideal time to move forward or major professional endeavors and physical works and things like that, but I mean, uh, I, I, that that's you know for you whatever that means. But um, I've learned how to develop patience, um, and for me that is a big thing. So <laughs> I think I'll be okay with moving slow. But if you're not familiar with it, um, you know you want something to read, check it out. Maybe these last couple of days you have been feeling a little funny, um, just feeling a little slow, feeling a little sluggish, maybe even. Uh, your temperament has been a little different. Um, I'm a Scorpio. Like, uh, it's not like a, like, hey, I will. I'm a Scorpio. Um, so for Scorpios, and if you're interested in how this affects your zodiac, I'm more than willing to read it for you, too. So you can shoot me a message or you can jump on the line and I'll read it for you. But it says for Scorpios, the harder you push over the next two months, the more exhausted and frustrated you're going to be. Oh, great. Uh, Mars retrograde is making it tough to get even far when it comes to our ambition and physical endeavors. And you are not going to overcome that by burning the candle at both ends. Okay, I can dig that because I'll be burning four candles at the same time. So that's cool. Um, Don't overexert yourself trying to fight the cosmos. Instead, spend your energy rearranging your schedule so that you can maximize time to be productive once the retrograde ends in November. So that's for uh, my Scorpio. Scorpio. So I just got a request uh, for Leo. <clears throat> awesome. Thank you for that request. <laughs> so Leo, Leo, check it out. I'm a mean old line. Gathering knowledge, expanding your skill set, and exploring new realms has been a passion in recent months. But all of a sudden, it feels like you're not sure where to turn or what to make of the personal growth you've been doing. Don't take this lack of motivation as a stop sign. Rather, use this period to walk on recalibrating your personal compass. I'll say that again. Use this period to work on recalibrating your personal compass. Once you feel more confident about your current worldview, you'll be able to see your goals with more clarity post-retrograde. So there you go, Leos. That sounds cool. <laughs> so let me know uh, if, you, if you're in the chat room. Hit me up in the chat. Give me your Zodiac, and I'll read it off for you if you're interested. Uh, yeah, that's pretty cool, right? <laughs> that's cool. Appreciate you listening. Um, so, yeah, Mars Retrograde. Check it out. Um, it's really good to understand it. Actually, really just helped me to understand what was going on with me today. Um, I haven't been following a lot of news 
this last couple of weeks as well, you know, last week and this week, um, I saw that um, Jacob Blake made the news again because he was did a video in, in the hospital bed and was talking about. Uh, I think I think the point that he was trying to make was just making better decisions and um, there's consequences for your actions. Um, but you know, this is just my personal opinion. And I didn't have a chance to, to get the soundbite uh, to play it for you, but you can look it up. Um, but he just talked about how he's, um, you know, in the hospital, he's in a lot of pain, uh, you know, with the surgeries and all these other things that he's got to go through, you know? So, you know, he's like, man, we need to be out here not wasting time. We need to be making money and things like that. So um, that was kind of what I got from it, from what I've heard. I don't know if there was more to it. So I appreciate that, you know, just realizing there's consequences for your actions. We have to be smarter out here. We have to be more intelligent. Uh, we've said this before many times on all of our shows, uh, how we as people of color need to be very mindful of what we're doing in this time uh, because this is not the same time that it was four years ago, just the four years, just four years. This ain't the same. I mean, I, I would be comfortable with going back to Bush era, you know what I'm saying? Uh, before dealing with this, uh, not Ronnie Reagan, but I'll deal with the Bush people. So, yeah. Consequences for action. Wondering how um, I just just had a thought. Just wondering how to incorporate the show a little bit more to maybe work on more uh, topics to for uh, mentoring development for our children, things like that. So anyway, I have to work on that a little bit more. So I, I saw that. So I was saying that I haven't really been in the news lately. I haven't really been in touch with what's happening. Uh, I kind of unplugged. And so it was very refreshing. Um, so I'm catching up with the news and stuff like that and seeing what's going on with you, with you dude, <laughs> with, with President Trump doing his thing. Um, and, you know, it's the same old stuff. Um um, but I saw something today that he was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. Um, did I read that correctly? He was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize for uh, for the the treaty with uh, I forgot what that was. I, I just had some some quick notes on it, uh, and of course I can't find it right. Now. <laughs> but I'm like, did I read that correctly? Um, so it's very interesting. Um, I guess, you know, he's been nominated before, you know what I'm saying? So it's just it is what it is with, with that. If you didn't know about it, yeah, check it out. Uh, uh, he was nominated for, they put his name in the nomination, that's all. Um for his role in the recent peace deal between Israel and the United Arab uh, Emirates. Um, 
So I just thought that was funny. So then, of course, that opened up the the rabbit hole of other Trump drama, uh, other things. You know, they got this dude, Woodard, coming out with this book, and he's got these tapes and all these interviews he did and stuff like that, and uh, how he downplayed COVID. I mean, we know that already. Um, he, you know, pretty much shucks off responsibility for how black Americans feel and all these other interviews and tapes he did with this guy, Woodard. Uh, but, hey, I mean, that's that's how he gets down. Um, but uh, I just found that quite interesting. And he's been nominated before for a Nobel Peace Prize. That's something else. Last night I was doing some uh, back and forth research for the radio show, doing some research and looking at investments and just reading articles. Just I'm, I'm just starting out, you know, so I'm just reading a couple of articles uh, on just starting out and types of investments and things like that. Um, checking out those possibilities, you know, looking at online sites, Fidelities and uh, JP Morgan or uh, some other ones. I can't remember right now, but um, but in the middle of of doing some some research, uh, we were, again last night we were talking about uh, systematic racism, Stockholm syndrome, and things like that. Um, one of the things I came across was um, the spook who sat by the door. I don't. Know, I was. I was. Um, it just popped in my head. You know, looking at, uh, especially with like the Stockholm syndrome and like, what exactly does it mean? Because I've heard that term before, you know, and they say that um, black Americans are are dealing with uh, Stockholm syndrome. I don't know if we want to call it Stockholm syndrome because that happened in the, what was that, 73? Um, and I think we've been kind of dealing with that before 1973, but um, I don't know. The, the, I, I just want to share with you, you know, that the, uh, the um, like, how do we find these answers? You know, we, we need a revolution. <laughs> you know? I'd rather call it an evolution than a revolution. Um, you know, because there's a change that needs to come about, the change for the change. I think, and uh, I think about revolutions and just a revolution. Uh, going just around and around and around. Uh, I think we've gone around so many times. I think we need to change that and uh, change how we go around. So that's just my own personal, you know, you dig. So the evolutionites. But uh, Spook Who Sat By The Door, if you've never read the book, if you've never seen the movie, um, get the book because the movie's hard to find because the FBI is scared as hell of that movie. <laughs> But uh, definitely uh, look it up, check it out. Um, so with the spook who sat by the door, there was this quote about this movie, and I wanted to share it with you. Um, and that's about the – oh, that was in 73 also. Right, right. That that came out in 73 as well. Interesting, same year. Um, well, the movie came out in 73. The book, I think, was 69? 
think. I'm sure Dad will let me know when we bring him back in. Um, um, so the movies, uh, just real quick about about this brother Dan Freeman, who was uh, the first uh, African American CIA uh, operative officer, um, but uh, they pretty much just kept him uh, in the office, and he was just making copies. Uh, you know, uh, he was just filling the numbers. You know what I'm saying? And uh, um, the spook who sat by the door is kind of a play on words because spook is what they call spies and, you know, spook is what white people call us. Uh, so he was the spook who sat by the door gathering intelligence and taking this intelligence back to the community because they, they saw him as a non-threat. But it's a, this quote I just wanted to share with you, I just thought it was really cool. Um, it is a vivid picture of the language of race politics whose complexity and inherent contradictions go to the heart of the African-American experience, encouraging, encouraging the viewers to transcend class and consider their collective plight. To transcend class and consider their collective plight. The collective plight is the thing that I wanted to just share. Um, of course, you know, a people united can never be defeated, as they say, as we say. Um, united collective plight, you know, um, I think until we, as a, as a whole, as a group, see that collective plight, uh, don't know how that evolution could take place for the spook who sat by the door, but I love that, that, that quote about the book, and I think that's what we need to see. I think uh, in order for change to happen, uh, there needs to be uh, a collective a collective nature and identifying these problems that we all have. And that that's what pushes me with this, this show. I keep talking about identifying problems and finding solutions, because we know there are so many of them, you know, um, I think if we first be okay with knowing we can't get to all of them, we might get somewhere. Sometimes not doing anything is doing something, huh? So, but, you know, just some people are scared about this movie and, and, you know, we talk about Black Lives Matter and, 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 and we just want equal, equal uh, opportunities and we want the same things that they get. Uh, we want, we don't have to, we don't have to jump through three hurdles, hurdles just to get across the street you know, is um, from the movie, and this, this, he was telling them, you know, the, the the leader Freeman, he was telling his people, you know, this is not about hating white folks. This is about loving freedom enough to fight and die for it. But are there enough people willing to do that? I don't know. But Spook who sat by the door. I just wanted to share that with you. The Spook who sat by the door um, and looking for change and things like that. Um, so we were talking about Stockholm Syndrome last night, and uh, one of the callers from last night was asking about how to change or how to, um, you know, what can we do to to kind of treat, you know, as far as treatment, um, people who are diagnosed with this Stockholm or American Syndrome. 
So if you're not familiar with it, in 1973, there was this attempted bank robbery. Uh, this was in Sweden. <clears throat> Excuse me. And this resulted in a uh, six-day hostage situation. Um, there were four bank employees, and they had, like, explosives attached to them. Um, um, you know, they were, they, were, they were abused. They were mistreated, you know, constantly threatened. Uh, they barely fed, you know, barely go to the toilet, you know, just treated real, you know, real savage-like, right? So at the end of this six-day ordeal, the hostages ended up showing sympathy for their captors, right, for their people that was holding them. They didn't want to help the police. They refused to testify. They expressed feelings of admiration and, and sympathy for these guys that was treating them like, like garbage, like dogs. So then we look at the plight of the collective, the plight of the African-Americans, the plight of people of color in America. Um, and you look at some of these qualities that, that um, symptoms, if you will, not qualities, but symptoms of the Stockholm effect. Um, and they say that this relates to African-Americans as well. Um, Usually, let's collect this, these four things. When these four things happen, then this is how uh, this, this um, syndrome occurs. So the first thing is that the, the victims uh, feel that this threat is real, right? That there's this existence of this physical or psychological threat and that that these people will carry it out at any time. So there's that fear already, right? Um, but it, it can happen. So that's just that first thing. The second thing is that the there is a token of kindness. The abuser, the oppressor, if you will, shows this small token of kindness and, and creates this uh, impression, if you will, that you know, that the abuser isn't that bad. He's not that bad. He's okay. He's been kicking my butt, but you know what? He just gave me this Twinkie. He's cool. He, it's okay. It might be okay. You know, give you a little food. Maybe they won't hurt you this time. <laughs> but they do this small little thing. You know, the other thing is that the, 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 uh, the victim, um, well, no, I, I, no, I'm sorry. The the oppressors, if you will, uh, isolate uh, and and just provide their perspective, and they make sure that nobody else gets a, that they don't get these other perspectives. You know, it's just this is what they're going through. You know, um, and then this last part, and, and just you know, tell me if this doesn't sound like you know oppression. Like this is like some of the things that that people of color have been dealing with. Maybe I'm tripping. Um, that victims perceive their their uh, oppressors or their captors. They they you know they they see their humanity and believe that they have these same goals and values. You know the the victims feel like they they can't escape from the situation. So it's almost like well if you can't beat them join them. You know um, 
it is a uh, it's it's really just like a form of survival. And I think that this has gone on way before 1973. Uh, I guess this might be a post-traumatic slavery disorder. Um, um, and yeah, I'm going to look. I want. I'm sure there is a connection. And if you know of that, please chime in and let me know. Um, I got caught up with this uh, investing homework. <laughs> um, but I, I wonder if that's where those connections come into play. But yeah, it's a it's a survival uh, mechanism, uh, survival strategies, coping mechanisms, dealing with fear. Uh, and I guess we have to identify uh, those that fear. Um, you look at uh, Kanye, right? Um, Herman Cain. Uh, Ben Carson, you know, um, I don't know the politics, and, you know, they'll they'll blame politics on they'll blame that on politics and their behavior, um, but you know, yeah, they're not they're not all bad, you know, but they're telling us, you know, that's why I was laughing with this guy getting this Nobel Peace Prize nomination, right? And you know, he's, I mean, he just outright just lets you know. Um, what's up and and how it's all about segregation um, what was that the, the most recent thing with like the home stuff right with the people in the suburbs uh, you're not going to have no problems out there no more they're not coming out there no problem but, um, it's a lot of trauma in our community um and I think we need to identify these different levels of trauma as well um, and, you know, how to deal with it. Um, awesome. Totally disagree. Can I bring you in? Break it down for us? What do you disagree about? <laughs> <laughs> no, man, don't put me on the spot like that. You know, it, it, yeah. You know, uh, you just got through talking about too many minds, <laughs> you know, and, you know, this, this um, I didn't say anything because, first of all, the show was almost over last night, and I didn't want to get into it, you know. Um, it, it's, you know, it, it's interesting how it, 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 last night I was talking about how important it it would be um, for whoever it is that seeks treatment for whatever the whatever whatever ails them mm-hmm. to first of all understand something about the treatment, but how important it is for those who provide the treatment to understand something about the client or the patient, you right. know researching the patient you know so that it's not a general it's not a generalization you know but instead it's a it's a recognized diagnosis of symptoms based on research you know like you have this big book it's called the DSM it's the diagnostic statistics manual and um it's written by psychiatrists for psychiatrists and in that book you'll find every mental disorder known 
you know, um, and the thing is, the DSM is recognized by the World Health Organization. So anywhere you go, once you have a DSM diagnosis, you go anywhere in the world, that that diagnosis will be applied to your method of care. If you should get stranded in Switzerland, and if you're from the the the, the backwoods of Inglewood, uh, you know, and you're out of your meds, all you got to do is make it to a clinic, and they'll be able to to call up your 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 workup, and they'll see what your prescription is and they'll be able to fill it based on the diagnosis that that's the way the dsm works now why i didn't get into it last night because first of all the the stockholm syndrome you know you already gave the year but there were themes of this long before psychologists got together and decided to call it that based on this one particular episode in stockholm but it in itself is recognized in the DSM as a particular type of mental disorder for some who would, in fact, show the types of symptoms that would create this phenomena or this dynamic between the hostage and the captor. Not all hostages have Stockholm Syndrome, and not all captors are even seeking to have that kind of control. It's a thing that happens under a circumstance that a chain of events takes place, but the person still has to have a particular type of dynamic going on with them in them even before this situation happens. It's not like a random process that a person suddenly falls prey to. And why I totally disagree is because we still haven't even begun to research the impact of slavery on Americans um, of color or of African descent or black Americans or Negroes or colored folks, you know, whatever whatever our, our category is, we don't have any understanding at all how each of those categories has impacted on the development of the culture as we know it today. You know, and so that's why I said totally disagree. You know, I don't even want to generalize, you know, the scope of the impact of slavery on the psyche of black America today. And and so that's what I totally disagree with. That doesn't mean I'm right and you're wrong. It just explains what I totally disagree with. That's what I meant by you putting me on the spot because I didn't, you know, <laughs> I, it's not like I, you know, I think you're wrong. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that yeah. I disagree because of where my focus is, mm-hmm. you know. And um, the, the the whole theme around the spook who sat by the door, I mean, you know, you covered it pretty well. You know, um, yeah, the book came out in 72. Um, 72, and, okay. Yeah, and the movie that followed the following year. Actually, you know, the thing is, um, what, what Brother Greenlee told me is that he, he, the book he, he was released on January, on, on New Year's Day in 72. I thought that was kind of cool, you know. Um, yeah, it's kind of cool that we can control that kind of thing, you know, and and. and you know, give a, a particular stamp of it. But you got to remember, in the late 60s and early 70s, it all it wasn't that, you know, the, there were so many things that were going on in the 60s, man. You know, like um, I still am one who believes that the reason why um, Black Panther, the superhero, didn't come to light, even though, when did the, when did the comic book come out? I've been meaning to ask you that because, you know, you're, if y'all don't know this, Will is a is a genius of comic books. You know, um, used to have quite a collection until the great flood of whatever year that was. Like that. <laughs> the great flood. <laughs> uh, when did 
<laughs> he first appeared in uh, 66. Yeah, 66. Now, why is that important from where I'm coming from? That's at the same time that the Black Panther Party came into existence. So you couldn't have this superhero called the Black Panther when the Black Panther Party had white America, well, and part of black America scared to death, you know, um, without, of course, without knowing anything about them, totally just like what's going on today. You know, the whole, the whole fear-mongering thing. So I, I'm, I'm one who really believes that's why the Black Panther, you know, it took 90, it took 90 years before, not 90, it took, what, 60 years before the Black Panther comic superhero came to life, you know, because of the threat of what Black Panther would have meant symbolically, you know, parallel to the Black Panther Party. You know, and, and these are the kind of themes, you know, that, you know, we um, we struggle with through, you know, this conditioned response that was required to even make an African a slave. You know, people still get it confused. It's about when slaves came over. No, free people came over and they were conditioned into slavery. They did not come as slaves. They came as free people, you know, who had their own values, had their own lifestyles, had their own beliefs, you know, and and, and that conditioning is what the foundation of African-Americans is about today. So you want to talk about, you know, a, a collection of confusions. Just think what it means. Just think for a second. If you were kidnapped, you know, and you were taken to some strange place like California. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> if you're taken to, you know, some place, you, you know, uh, that you'd never been to before, that you knew nothing about, you know. Yeah, still, like California. No, okay. And um, <laughs> and being placed there, let's say it was about six of you that were kidnapped at the same time, but the first thing they did was separate all of you, you know. And you were put with a group of folks that didn't speak your language, didn't have anything in common with you. And first of all, didn't speak your language. That That's the big thing. So... And, 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 and you're in this situation now, and you have no understanding of what's going on, and you have nobody, no contact, no support, no, no computer, you know, no cell phone, and you're just left to the mercy of whoever kidnapped you. You know, and you never see your people again. If you could just imagine that. And your whole life begins a new chapter of absolutely making no difference who you think you are, you know where you've been the where you've been taken and what you've been put into has completely erased whoever you thought you were, and from that moment of captivity, you're going to become whatever your captor decides they want you to be in whatever form they want you to be that you know that's why I totally disagree. You know, because we're talking about five, six hundred years of conditioning to become something that we weren't, not, yeah. you know, a, 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 a response to a circumstance of hostage that in its, in its end you're freed from. You know, this is an ongoing dynamic. You know, even though the themes of slavery supposedly were eradicated with the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation, the issues still remain. We see it every day. We see it every day. You, you said something earlier about um, 
not knowing how many, you know, people out here would be willing to go to war, be willing to die, you know, um, to bring about change. Well, you know, that's a conditioning in itself, too, that we've been so conditioned against each other to deal with the issue of nonviolence versus any means necessary. You know, and, and the thing is, our adversaries hope we never solve that, you know. Um, they're, they're perfectly content with us competing with each other, trying to figure out the best way to demand um, equal treatment. And you can believe that they're hoping that the passive approach will always be the approach. You know, they're, they're hoping that it will never turn violent. Oh, my God. You know, imagine what it would be like if you turned on the TV one day and it was like it was on. You know, it was on. I mean, it was like it ain't about, you know, white folks being armed and walking the streets. It's about black folks meeting them head on with an equal amount of firepower, you know, and, and, and the police and the National Guard ain't got nothing to do with it. This is civil unrest. This is civil war year, you know, year 2000 or 2020. You know, uh, imagine, you know, what that kind of explosive, you know, violence would be like. But imagine while that's going on, you know, you turn on a basketball game, <laughs> you know, or, or or you tune in, you know, Sunday night, you know, live NFL, you know, and, yeah. you know, and, and you see these brothers still out here playing the game, yeah. you know, or you see these brothers still sitting in the studio you know, given their analysis of the game. While this war, see, this is, you know, this is the reality of of the time if such a thing would happen. Suddenly, you know, a line would have to be drawn. It wouldn't be somebody getting up like Kenny the Jet did the other night last week or the week before, getting up and walking off the studio or, or the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, deciding that they were going to, you know, um, boycott the game. No, we're talking about a complete shift you know, in identity and attitude and behavior that nothing as we've ever known it will ever be the same again as a, as a result of the Civil War. And people don't think about that. And people don't think about, you know, if, if all of these black athletes, you know, male and female and black and athletes of color decided to combine their resources, you're talking about, you know, you're talking about an economy that equals many third world countries, you know, so... You know, suddenly, you know, we got something else happening, and 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 white America don't want that to happen. So they know the thing to do is to do the thing that's been done. You know, make sure that we, you know, are um, influenced by those who have guided us all these years and trained us, you know, to behave. You know, so that's. Anyway, that's the long version of why I disagree with a very simple thing that you said. Man, I apologize going on and on again. I'm assuming it must be a slow night because you're really letting me talk a lot. But no, <laughs> that's not true. I take that back because you're caller friendly. You know, you kind of yeah. you kind of let folks go like this, man. So I, you know, I need to learn from you to be more like that. You know, right on. Oh, so anyway, man, that's you. It. you you're good. You you have. I don't. I don't think you've taken up a lot of time. And if there's anybody else that does want that that would like to chime in, and you're listening in already, just be sure to press the one, press one on your keypad, and we can bring you in as well. Um, or maybe I didn't tell them that earlier, but it's okay. Uh, I just want to hear what we got on our mind. So you know, 
<laughs> yeah, the one mind. <laughs> you know, I don't know if we could ever get to one mind, man. I don't know if it's a society we live in would ever allow us to do that. I think the only way, the only time we could do it would be non, non-engaged. It would be like meditation, you know, because this, this particular part of the world, you know, is constantly requiring some form of engagement, you know, and um, I don't know without meditation if that clearing of the mind could ever happen. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? I know what you mean. So, uh, if you don't mind, I, I would like to, if, if you're okay with it, uh, I'd like to put you on the spot again uh, since you brought that up. <laughs> so, you know, so one of the things, so one of the things as I mentioned earlier, as you know, that I've been, you know, working on recently is like letting go, right? I've been dealing right. with, you know, the changes in my personal in my personal lifestyles, whatever, you know, the last six, eight weeks have been an interesting journey. And some of it had to do with just letting go. Um, and even talking with, um, talking with uh, Cuz earlier this morning, he, uh, we were talking about uh, just trying to find ways to get better sleep because, you know, there's insomnia, there's stress, there's all kind of things that we're dealing with. Uh, right. And so one of the things I mentioned to him and that I'm putting you on the spot for that maybe you can share with, with the listeners is if you could talk about the honoring the passing of the day again. Um, and only say that because I think it's such a great technique that a lot of us can use, and it doesn't really evolve, involve a lot of, you know, like some, it's very difficult enough for some people to even talk about meditating. Like, oh, I got to do this right. to prepare, and I got to do that and do right. all this and all right. that. Right, yeah. But, you know, yeah, the way take, that you yeah. break down, you know, the way that you break down the, the passing, honoring the passing of the day, I think it's a great technique because I've been using it. It's really been helping me, uh, except for last night, get better sleep uh, or just, just a release before I go to bed. Um, so just putting you on the spot, if you can kind of break that down, and what exactly does that mean? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, um, the, 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 the thing is, yeah, it has a title and that particular title is called honoring the passing of the day. And you're right. So, okay, that means it's a technique. That means I got to, you know, stand on one foot and point my arm toward the moon and, and, and breathe out of my right ear. No, it, it, it's the thing that makes it so simple is that it's done it's available, rather. It's not done. It's available anyway, meaning we all, well, I'm saying we all, um, but I guess there are exceptions, but just about everybody goes to bed at night or whatever the time is that they retire, whatever night is for it. You know, the majority of the people have a time that they retire, you know, so it's something that's used whenever it is that it's your time to dis- retire. It's not like you got to, you know, it's got to be every night at the same time. It's got, you know, but it does have a discipline and the discipline is to practice. And the idea is to whatever time it is that I'm retiring tonight, you know, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock to know, to set the intention that I want to process my day. Now, why is that important? It's because the only time the brain gets a chance to detox is when we go to sleep. And that's when the psyche does its repair work. You know, now what, it, what, what I mean by repair work is that 
now you're out of the way, you know, um, it's, it's, it's not, you know, me being in charge, you know, now you know, it's my brain doing and my body's doing what they're designed to do psychically, you know, and that's the repair work of the clutter that has gone on through the course of the day or the accumulated clutter that happens as a result of not processing the day. You know, and, and what do I mean by that? Well, best example I could give, I don't know if it's ever happened to you, Will, but it's happened to me, and it happens to me. I'll wake up in the morning, and for about maybe a minute or two, I'll feel blessed with a really a, uh, just a, a, a sense of replenishment. But after about two minutes, I'll suddenly remember this, or I'll <laughs> suddenly remember that, yeah. or I'll suddenly remember this and that, undone or I'll suddenly remember this and that and rewriting the script. All of a sudden, just a couple minutes ago, a blissful return to another crack at the title, another chance to to get it right, is replaced by the accumulated stress from the previous days and my stomach just gradually starts nodding up, you know, or maybe it's not felt in the stomach, or maybe it's my chest starts tightening up. Or maybe my breath starts getting real shallow. Or maybe my brain, my head, my, my, my skull starts tightening up or, or tensing up. Or I start feeling a tightening in my, especially my left top shoulder blade. You know, it's almost where everybody holds an accumulated amount of stress. You know, uh, but it's, where, you know, it, it might be. I blame it on the weather because my arthritis is acting up. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's. It's the inflammation of the soul that we're feeling, you know, because the body didn't have a chance to, well, how you said, the body didn't have a chance. We didn't give the body permission to let go, to just let go, not fix anything, just let go. So honoring the passing of the day is a ritual. It's a ritual designed to let go, you know, maybe fix, Maybe repair, maybe have enlightenment, but that will come in the night world. That will not be a conscious realization. That will happen during the repair time that the psyche has to work with mind, body, and soul. So how does it work? It's all generated by, first, a willingness, you know, second, a surrender, and third, Breathing. The one thing that we do automatically that we pay very little attention to, and it's the one thing that because we pay so much, we pay so little attention to that causes so much stress. We don't give our bodies a chance to release whatever it is that we convince ourselves we're letting go of. So you just the idea laying down. Let's say eleven o'clock at night. I'm laying down. All right, now this dude, you know. You talking about this you know, honoring the passing of the date crap. What is that all about? All right, you say I got to lay here. All right, I'm laying here, dude. I'm laying here. Now what? <laughs> all right, get out of here. Right, right. That's how I, you know, like I right, look, I I I know my stress. It's who I am. I need my stress. I need my stress. Right, right. Yeah, you know, it's fine. It keeps me warm at night. Yeah. yeah. You know, it justifies my behavior in the morning. You know, trying to take away my stress. Yeah, what's up with that? So he is laying down. 
and, 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 and it's a matter of whatever. It's not like doing something extra. It's like, okay, I'm getting ready to go to bed. That's the point. It's when you get ready to go to bed, you just lay there for a second and, and connect with the breath. No turning on no music or nothing like that, no lighting, no candles, burning no incense, you know, saying a mantra or, or doing some chanting. It's got nothing to do with that. It's got to do with how you ordinarily go to bed, and this is just a routine right before you go to sleep. And it's a good idea to, you know, well, it's always a good idea to go to the bathroom before you go to bed. It's going to wake you up in the morning anyway. But usually whenever we do relaxation work, it's also release work. And the body releases in a lot of different forms. And peeing is one of them, you know, because the bladder relaxes. All the organs, the major organs of the body, relax when you give the body a chance to do what it does. So honoring the passing of the day is just laying there, closing the eyes, and just connecting with the breath first. Breathing in, breathing out, doesn't matter if you breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth, in through your nose, out through your nose, in through your mouth, whatever, however you breathe, you know. Um, and if you got to put on one of them apnea things or whatever, you got to look like, you know, predator, whatever you got to do, you know, strap up, you know, lay down and just breathe. Connect with the breath, but not just connect with the breath and, okay, I'm breathing, you know. No, it has to have a routine. And the most effective one that I know of is what I call the seven-beat breathing. You breathe in at a count of seven, and you breathe out at a count of seven. And, you know, whatever, whatever works for you, fine. I just say seven, you know, because seven is, is a sacred number, mm-hmm. you know, according to Scripture. So you yeah. breathe into a count of seven, and you breathe out. Now, breathing in is going to be a little bit more laborious than breathing out because you're having to expand the lungs, remember, we're shallow breathers, so our lungs are not in, in breathing shape, you know. So it's a matter of concentrating on getting that seven in and getting the seven out. Now, of course, the temptation is going to be it takes a long time to breathe out. Just, the breath comes out real fast. What is your watch accepting? No, that's not how you're supposed to do it. So the idea is to find the rhythm that matches. However much I breathe in, that's how much I want to breathe out. You know, whatever I breathe in, that's what I want to breathe out. Not breathe in at the count of seven and breathe out at the count of seven, but I still got some stuff left over, so I got to breathe this out too before I go back. No, just finding that rhythm, that balance. I'm just saying seven is a good way to do it. And it takes a little practice to regulate the breathing in and the breathing out so it matches because, again, there's more pressure to breathe in than it is to breathe out. And the tightness in the lungs is the result of the stress of the day. Duh. Why? Because what we tend to do when we're faced with any type of adversity, what, because we're such shallow breathers anyway, one of the first things we do is hold our breath. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of breathing through a, 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 a situation of adversity. So I'm laying here. Okay, now, all right, man, I'm laying here. I'm breathing. I count to seven. I count to seven. What do I do next? All right, you, you, you allow the breath to quiet down the mind. See, you can, we can't do two things at once. So if I'm concentrating on my breathing, I can't be concentrating on my stress. You know, but that man, if you can, if a person can breathe in once or twice and be totally concentrated on their breath and not let their thoughts get in the way, that's amazing. 
So rather than get into that self-competition that eventually leads to me feeling like I'm a failure because I can't even breathe, right? Well, obviously you can because you're still alive. You know, it's a matter of just laying there and just breathing and then gathering the thoughts once the breath calms the body enough, down enough, so you can do the exercise. The exercise is very simple. Five minutes, ten minutes maybe, it's a matter of laying there. Why are you laying there? And your breath has calmed you down long enough to have clear thought, starting from the point where you laid down, 11 o'clock at night. You're breathing in and you're breathing out, and you're going back through your day, backwards through the day, starting at 11, and dividing the day up as equally into quadrants as possible. So let's say you're just going to go from 11 o'clock back to, let's say, 7 in the evening. And it's a matter of just retracing the steps. So what went on between 11 and 10? Anything really happening? Did I have, you know, any, any, anything that stirred me up? Maybe I heard on the news or, you know, did I get into a, 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 any kind of rumble with my children or my spouse? Or, you know, was it, a, you know, that I did, did, did from – from from when I laid down back to 10 o'clock that I have some leftover thoughts about the job. No, none of that was going on. It was just an easy moment from 10 o'clock, I mean, 11 o'clock back to 7. You know, now that's 11 o'clock back to 10, and from 10 o'clock back to 9, you know, anything happening during that period of time, um, everybody's in bed. No, I really wasn't paying much attention. I was reading a book. And the book had me thinking about some things from my childhood. Okay, just noticing that. Just noticing what thoughts came up, what is stirred, you know, and just noticing what got stirred up from, you know, 10 o'clock back to 9 o'clock. And, you can, and, and it's just from 9 o'clock back to 8, taking a look at what went on, you know, and from 8 o'clock back to 7. Now, that's the first quadrant. Now, you're going from 11 to 7, paying attention to what went on incrementally, 11 10, 9, 8, 7. Just taking a look at that section of time. You know, not cross-sectioning it. Just staying within that focus. So what happens is a lot of us carry stuff over. So it's very important to identify where things come up. So if everything was cool from 11 o'clock back to 7, you know, or if there's things that were there, and I noticed, like, you know, um, there was something that went on between me and my son after dinner. Okay, that's what went on after dinner. So now I just recognize what went on. I recognize whatever was said. You know, I recognize how it felt. And I just breathe into it. Now I go from 7 back to, let's say, uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm going from 7 to 6. And then I'm, I'm touching dinner. Now everybody sat down to have dinner. But everybody was spread out, you know. Um, Junior was in the basement, you know, eating, you know, and and baby girl was upstairs in her room with the door closed and the music jacked up, you know, and me and the wife were trying to talk and we were distracted by the fact that, you know, we never sit down and have dinner together. And that's what we were talking about. And how did that feel? Where did that go? Anything come up? Any words, you know, um, exchanged between us? Any harsh words, you know, reflective words? Where, you know, where where am I feeling that as I'm breathing? And just recognizing it, honoring it, and moving on through the rest of the, the um, evening, going from, you know, six back to five, and what went on maybe before dinner was ready? Was I, you know, hurrying to get home? What, why, why was I hurrying? What was the traffic like? What was my attitude? Was I in road rage? You know, 
just paying attention to what I was feeling and what I was dealing with and what I was going through, just allowing that to come, breathing through it, and just letting it go, not attaching a whole lot of um, energy to it, just recognizing it for what it was and how I felt it, and continuing that backwards journey, you know, back to five, between five, six and five, always going backwards, not going forward. You know, this is, this is the release. You know, it's, it, this is the let go. You know, it's going back. You know, when you go forward, the tendency is to hold on. When you go back, the tendency is to release because you have to be reflective to go backwards. You have to be active to go forward. So the idea in this reflection is just to notice where things were, what happened, and how I experienced it. And as I continue that inner journey of remembrance, getting up to around 3 o'clock in the afternoon now, I've I've already gone through dinner, I've gone through pre-dinner, I've gone through leaving work, I've gone through whatever it was now to prepare to leave work. How long was I looking at the clock? Man, it seemed like it took four hours for this half hour to pass. What were my thoughts for all that time I was trying to deal with from 4 o'clock to 3 o'clock, you know, um, and just recognizing, again, you know, where was I holding that? What was it like as I prepared to leave the job? And I moved on from 4 to 3, and now I finished now the second quadrant. Now I'm beginning to engage the third quadrant. So I'm, now I'm going from 3 o'clock to, let's say, 11 in the morning. And, of course, one of the first things is, well, first of all, it's going to include, you know, uh, whatever that whatever that chemical balance time is. Like some people get real tired physically between the hours of, of one and three. So that might be something I want to pay attention to. What was my biorhythm like from at, at three o'clock, you know, as I'm, I'm moving backwards? You know, am I feeling exhausted? You know, is that that familiar feeling of, of just needing to take a nap or whatever, just really not having the energy, not being able to concentrate. And I'm moving from three to two, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying, well, you know, there wasn't really anything that, that consciously happened. It's like where it tends to be for me at that time, and I really don't know where my energy is. So I move back now from two to one, and and when I get to from two to one, I'm remembering, yeah, that's, you know, I was, you know, back from lunch. You know, and and you know, what was what was my digestion feeling like? What, what what's going on with me physically? What am I feeling right now? Did I have something that carried over from lunch that I brought back with me to the job? So just taking a look at those things and letting them go, breathing them in, breathing them out, and then I'm going back from, you know, from from one to noon or from one to, you know, maybe eleven thirty, wherever you know lunch hour came, and you know moving backwards in time. Now I'm thinking about. You know, having finished the meal, having sat down, had the meal, having gathered the meal, and having prepared to eat the meal. You know, and looking at it backwards, then I can really notice what my digestion felt like after eating as opposed to my anticipation when I sat down to eat. And I might want to notice, you know, certain things that I ate. And where am I feeling those things I ate, you know, or those things I drank? You know, and again, recognize and acknowledge and not trying to, you know, process behind just the acknowledgement of it, you know, and just continuing the backwards journey. Now I'm moving from now I'm moving to the to the fourth quadrant. You know, I'm moving from 11, you know, 1130 
back to when I woke up. So I'm going from 11:30 back to 10. Okay, you know now I'm I've I've already entered into getting ready for lunch, and I'm moving back to 10 o'clock. And whatever was going on with with what I was dealing with in, at my job on my desk, dealing with the clutter, phone calls, any phone calls that came up. Did I have any any conversation with my boss? You know, with with my coworkers. Was was there? You know, anything you know that that maybe got you know I missed a deadline. What was what was where was my mind? Now that's important that I look at what was going on with me pre lunch because that kind of issue or episode can affect you know how I'm digesting my food. Things that we do without thinking about is what the whole idea of honoring the passing of the day allows us to reflect on and just recognizing it, noticing it, and just tucking it away and and, and just recognizing and letting it go and not trying to fix it, not trying to attach any emotion to it. You know, I don't don't need to be shaking the fist or anything else. And just moving from 10 back to 9, you know, and maybe that was, you know, like after having been at work for about an hour what, how did I come into the job? You know, what was waiting for me when I walked into the job? You know, and, and just recognizing where am I feeling what that felt like when I walked into the job? You know, was my first thought, I hate my job. <laughs> you know, just recognizing what, you know, what was going on and where, what was I feeling and where was I feeling it? And then yeah. moving back from nine, back to eight and maybe seven, you know, just kind of maybe just grouping that together, including, you know, okay, um, I had breakfast, you know, and am I rushing to get out the door, you know, thinking back to breakfast, what was it like having breakfast or not having breakfast? What did it feel like to slug down a cup of coffee? What was my mood as I was getting ready to walk out of the door? What was I feeling? What was I thinking about? Where was my attitude, you know? um, And then looking back to, before breakfast, you know, um, did I shower? Did I just wash up? Um, did I still have on last night's clothes? Whatever, you know, just looking at, you know, where that was at that moment. And then going back to the moment I woke up and asking myself, when I opened my eyes, what were my first thoughts? You know, why is that important? Because your first thoughts is how you spend your day. Whatever your first thoughts are, they dictate the mood of the day. And why is that important? Because how I spend my day is how I spend my night. See, what we do, when we, what, what happens when we don't let go of the previous day, then it goes into the clutter of the previous night. Because we haven't processed the day, it's unfinished business that the psyche is now trying to process in the night world. And that unfinished business is dictating how I'm going to feel when I wake up in the morning. Unfinished business means that's the things I'm going to deal with as soon as my day starts. So before I've even started today, I have the clutter of yesterday to contend with. And after a few yesterdays, I don't have any time for today. There's too much yesterdays to get out of the way before I can even deal with today. But if I haven't given myself a chance to just Let that stuff go, recognizing that it's there, letting the night world do its repair so that I have the necessary 
opportunity for my psyche to do the repair work on my mind, my body, and my soul, then I'll wake up in the morning with a replenished attitude about what needs to be done. But see, I'll engage it differently because I know by the end of the day, I'll have to give an account of how I spent my day. And what that does is make me more responsible for my day. And that's where my night world can do the healing that the body has always been designed to do. See, we carry these stresses around because we don't give ourselves permission to put them down. You know, we somehow get the idea that my stress is what identifies me. We identify more with our struggles than what we do with our freedom. We take our freedoms for granted, but we let our struggles define us because that's ego-driven, and humans are ego-driven beings. You know, we're spiritual yeah. beings having this human endeavor, you know, yeah. and, and it's it's a matter of understanding. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, ladies and gentlemen, again, my dad, Bill Green, you know, I know that we, we talk a lot about these things on Wednesday. Wednesday show, and I know you shared it last week, and 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 uh, I really got to kick out. I got carried away. Huh? Show. I'm sorry, man. Um, <laughs> but I'm glad that I'm glad that we were able to share this uh, with everybody tonight. Um, again, you know, we we talk about problems and solutions, and uh, and we we talk about personal solutions, and I think that yeah. this is really a great solution uh, for a lot of us. You know, when dealing with everyday life BS, you know what I'm saying, and just being mindful on how we end the day by honoring the passing of the day itself. And, and hopefully, you know, it helps me in the morning, you know, so hopefully it will help others too, especially in how I prepare for the day. It gives me a different insight on how I begin the day. Uh, even if yeah. that means putting the covers back yeah. on your head for a second, just to, yeah. just to yeah. get refocused too, you know, just to reset. Um, yeah. Just a reset. Yeah, just That's a, right. Just a quick reset. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I hope that it does help other people, and I really appreciate you you sharing that with everybody. Uh, I, just, about, I just want to say something real quick. It only takes we're, me a we're, couple we're, seconds. We're under two minutes. We're under two minutes. It's yeah, only going to take me thirty seconds. So I could just say it. it's a matter of understanding that it's it's a it's a it's a discipline. It's a practice. It's not an immediate fix. That's all. Yeah, yeah, and it's what fifteen twenty minutes, right? Yeah, at tops. Yeah. Usually about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you know. Yeah, cool. Well, thanks again, Dad. I appreciate you sharing that and, and taking the time to hang out with me and everybody else here tonight. I know you weren't planning on co-hosting. I kind of voluntold you to come on in, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> voluntold. I love that, Dad. Voluntold. I've been voluntold. <laughs> All righty, man. Love All right, you, Dad. I love you, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's about all we got tonight. Uh, maybe next week some of y'all would like to chime in, uh, share with some of the things that you've been doing and uh, adjusting to what's been going on around us. Um, I do want to get more into looking at black wealth versus everybody or black and brown wealth versus everybody. That will be uh, some topics of discussion uh, in the near future. Uh, be on the lookout for maybe some structural changes on dysfunctional by design. And the greenhouse effect, um, we'll keep you all informed on how that goes as well. And a couple other things I'm, I'm trying to do. Um, so, as always, we appreciate your support. 
Uh, you can always find us on social media. Uh, some of some of y'all know our phone numbers too, so don't, just don't give it out. <laughs> As always, guys, be safe, be blessed. Think of that one thing you can commit to find joy for yourself sometimes. Take care. See you next time.